Oasis. Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen. Hello, I am Scott Allen, and thanks to my daughter Kate for developing the intro to the Practical Wisdom for Leaders podcast, where we offer a smart, fast-paced discussion on all things leadership. My guests help us explore timely topics and incorporate practical tips to help you make a difference in how you lead and live. If you haven't done so, please click subscribe so you automatically, seamlessly stay in the know when we publish new episodes. Likewise, please provide me with feedback. What do you like? What do you dislike? And what else would you like to know? And now, today's show. Today on Phronesis, we are continuing our conversations with people who are involved in the Collegiate Leadership Competition. So I have Allison White, Ashley Lee, and Meg Yu Ren. Allison White is a third-year university student pursuing an honors and business administration degree at the Ivy Business School. She got involved with leadership and academic mentorship program LAMP at Western as a first-year committee member in 2018-2019, and she's remained involved as a leadership chair in 2019-2020. And she's a leadership student coordinator in 2020 and 2021. So you're going to get the picture here at Western. They have a lot going on and it's really, really cool. Ashley is a third year student. She's a neuroscience major at Western. Uh, she's been involved with a mentorship and campus leadership throughout her undergraduate career and is currently serving as the LAMP leadership student coordinator as well. And Meg began her career as a high school teacher and eventually found her way into student affairs at Western University. She works with students to develop their own leadership. She has her own podcast. We'll hear about that a little bit later. Uh, thank you, everybody, so much for being here. Allison, maybe share a little bit more about you. What blanks could you fill in? Yeah, so I've always really liked leadership. Um, in high school, I used to go to leadership camps. I was involved with student council, and they would send us to do these like three-day retreats. Um, they were very fun. We got to do many different things. Like we go kayaking, we do high ropes and all of it had like the goal of working towards building a better team and being more better leaders so that we could bring that back and apply it in high school. So I always really liked that uh, even in high school and like as a child. So coming to Western, I naturally looked for leadership opportunities. That's how I ended up with LAMP and I really enjoy it and have stayed with it ever since. So for our listeners, Allison and Ashley are undergrads. They are in their third year on campus, and they have been involved throughout their time at Western, and now they're actually leading. And so it's a wonderful opportunity for them on campus to progress in from, from a participant into an actual leader of some of these programs. And Ashley, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so I think in a similar vein as Allison, I got involved in leadership very early on um, in high school, and it was something that I kind of stumbled into, actually. I was very, very shy um, when I was younger, and I never really saw myself as like the stereotypical student leader, but I did get involved in student council and I got involved in a lot of student organizations and I realized how valuable and how fulfilling it is to work in a team um, in order to improve the lives of the people in your community. That's really stuck with me ever since and it's been something that's been a very integral part of my life and I've carried that into university. And so like just all of those experiences have really helped me cultivate a passion for peer mentorship and peer leadership. See, that's just wonderful because having these experiences now 
And combining with a business degree or a degree in neuroscience, it's such a powerful combination because I imagine some of your peers in neuroscience haven't been engaged in some of this leadership programming to the level and to the degree you have. And I think that combination is just so cool. It's so wonderful. And Meg, tell us a little bit about you. You are somewhat of an architect when it comes to these experiences that the students are having. And maybe tell us a little bit about LAMP after you share a little bit about you. Sure. Happy to, Scott. Thank you for having us on as well, because it's such a it's such a joy. And and truthfully, I consider myself kind of a supporting actor to Allison and Ashley because they're the ones who have done the bulk of the work and the initiative here at Western. But I digress anyways. So, yeah, my career began in education. So I started as a high school teacher and I realized within a couple months that I didn't want to be a high school teacher, but I did it for three years because uh, I needed uh, a job. And then eventually, like so many people, I found myself in student affairs. I found myself wanting to work with students, but I didn't want to teach them full time. Nice. So I, I changed and I sort of pivoted my career and it's been an absolute joy. I think it's my niche and my market. I love working with students. I love getting to take ideas and watch them run with it and consider myself sort of a mentor behind the scenes. So I did just complete, I have to give a plug to my own education, I did complete my master's in education and educational leadership. So I did some theory and development because I obviously really like this topic, but you and I met Scott a few years ago at uh, a CLC challenge here in Ontario in Canada. And when I did it, I thought, this is fantastic. I need to bring this back to my own campus. So I stole your ideas. Um, and said, I need to give an opportunity for Western students to do this leadership development because I really was on board with this idea of taking students, putting it into action and having a chance to really develop themselves. I just saw the transformation myself and was committed. So I brought back this idea to my own campus and thought, how can we take leadership development? How can we take the curriculum? So we worked alongside you to have Western, to have a team and really, it was it was Allison and Ashley, my student leaders, who took this idea and then paired it into this last year, right, which has been entirely virtual. How do we make leadership development over a year where we haven't physically been in the same space with each other since uh, last spring, I think was the last date that we were all together. So, yeah, that's a little bit about us and our program and some of the work that we're doing, trying to do leadership development in a in a more robust way, in a different way, in an innovative way. I think that's sort of the motivation here. I love it. I love it. Well, and and Allison and Ashley, I think, well, the three of us were on a phone call probably yeah. a couple months back, and and all of you were sharing with me some of how it works at Western. So I would love for either Allison or Ashley, one of you to share a little bit about how the program works from a kind of the, the year, what that, what that school year looks like. But then the two of you have been heavily involved in taking a lot of these activities that we maybe did face-to-face and moving them online. And really, as undergraduates, designing new leadership activities, which I think is just absolutely, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's so much fun to learn about your adventures. So <laughs> yeah, I'll talk first just about how like we structure our program here at Western. So what we do is 
we focus the program on first year undergraduate students. So they're fresh out of high school and they're into this new sort of university life experience, which is very intimidating, right? And you need new leadership skills. It's very different from high school. So what we do is we take a team of upper year students, um, usually second year and third year students, but sometimes fourth year or above as well. And we hire like eight of them and make pairs. Um, So they work in teams of two and then they hire first year students, teams of six that they will mentor throughout the year. The first semester, we focus on teaching the CLC curriculum and just getting them to practice. We also add opportunities. We have this thing called an LC squared. So the leadership leadership chair life chat. Um, So LC squared, where the leadership chairs get to plan something that's very relevant in leadership and very helpful to the first years, things around like mental health. This year we had someone do journaling, that kind of thing. Um, And the first semester is really focused on that. Second semester, we get into competition mode and then we start practicing some of the CLC past activities. We have a mini competition, usually at the end of first semester to sort of transition over into the second semester. And then, of course, in uh, February, once the competitions start, our teams all compete up until the, the last one where we send our, our last team or our best performing team to represent Western in the overall CLC. Yes. And that's this weekend. I'm feeling anxious. <laughs> Exciting. We're super excited for our team. I'm feeling anxious. Well, and Ashley, as you all have moved some of these activities from an analog in-person domain to a digital space. Talk a little bit about that. What are some themes you've noticed in moving these activities to an online space? And then maybe with the three of us, we get into this conversation about building teams when we're remote. It was definitely an adventure this year. Um, I think Allison and I got just a little taste of what you do um, on a much larger scale for the CLC of trying to adapt and create activities that are going to work for for the teams and also just like taking all of the logistical considerations in mind i think we had a we were really lucky in that we had the last year's like in person activities and also the the activities that you provided us with as a base but definitely we we had to change a lot of things just given the limitations because i think so much of team building and so much of these typical leadership activities is so heavily based on everyone being in person and being able to physically collaborate and i I do think that um you know things like that we typically think of when we do at leadership camps like human knots or you know last year where we built a pringle ring it's so challenging to try and capture that camaraderie and that teamwork virtually. But I think we've definitely taken advantage of all of the technology at our disposal. We obviously use Zoom for all of our calls, but we also looked into a lot of collaborative software that would allow us to kind of mimic that in-person collaborative feel like with a time in a time sensitive manner yeah. uh, where people could work together and see each other's progress. And we really needed to focus on how to engage people even when it is virtual because so much of team building and that camaraderie does come from being physically close to people and, and talking and, and building those relationships. And it definitely is a lot harder to do through Zoom and through a screen. And so we try to focus on all the different ways that we could get people to work together, um, whether it's like maybe focusing a little bit more on discussion 
or splitting up the tasks in a way that is convenient over a virtual call. And we kind of worked from there and really just did a lot of troubleshooting and tested a lot of different activities on our friends <laughs> and some of our our team members and just saying like, oh my goodness, okay, so this did not go the way that we thought it would, like let's modify it or wow, like the tech is just too difficult. So let's find another platform. It was, there's no really simple answer. It was just a lot of brainstorming and troubleshooting really. Well, I love, I love what you just said about testing it on your friends because the activities we're doing this coming weekend, we tested those on our friends last September and October. And we went through the experiences ourselves and play tested them and went through all of the different combinations of how these things could work. And so I have, it's not easy. And, and you think that a certain thing is going to go a certain way, or someone has a certain question that you never, ever would have imagined, <laughs> or they come up with a solution that you never would have imagined. And the art of designing some of these activities to make them a challenge and to make them work, there's a lot that goes into it. But you also said something, Ashley, that I really want to follow up on with the three of you. What have you learned about building relationships online this year? How did you build those relationships? How did you focus on that area? And did it work, in your opinion? Did, did we get as far as we've gotten in the past? Did we not quite get there? What would we do differently? What do you all think about relationship building? I could jump in. I wanted to just say this because I love relationship building. And I think I model this in the way Allison and Ashley and I have to work together, right? So we have this common purpose. We're going to bring the CLC curriculum to Western. We want to give first-year students the opportunity to work on this. We have a bit of a framework, and that's about as filled in as we are. And so we all need to get to know each other and know what are our skills? What are we bringing to this conversation? I have kind of that context historical knowledge and then the the linchpin or the piece with the larger university thinking about what we need to be doing. But we invest a lot of time, and I think both of you do this well, as well as establishing personal relationships with each other. So we work really on that foundational piece and spend a lot of time initially on who are you? Let's have some games together. Let's have those initial icebreakers, which you can do so easily. We played so much Jackbox this year. <laughs> I don't know if you played it, Scott, but I have played all versions of all games. Did the three of us play one together one time? Or the, no, we had. Oh, we should have. I played so many. <laughs> Um, and became such an amateur at it. But any kind of games or activities to help that camaraderie spirit. And we spend a lot of time in a meeting rather than jumping in in the, the usual platitudes. I think this is something you need in digital engagement communities rather than how is everybody? We're good? Okay. And we move on. You spend time being like, um, Ashley, you're from Niagara Falls. I'm going to be heading there. What do I need to know? Or Allison, tell me about this intense HBA camp you're going to, which is a thing that Allison is doing, if we get a chance to talk about it, this insane sounding leadership opportunity that she's doing for school, I will no. let her explain. But you have time to build those connections. And I think if you're talking about working with a team, you cannot underscore the importance of chit chat discussion, team building, bonding, getting to know each other, because it's from there, everything else flows. Yes. Yes. Well, and Allison and Ashley, you are building relationships, not only with your coaches, but then helping them help, helping set them up to build relationships with their teams. Allison, what do you think? Yeah. I just wanted to touch on something I think is a little bit of a myth, if you will. It's the breakout room and the power of the breakout. So for the breakout rooms, I know that what I've seen a lot in a lot of the activities I've been involved with this year is just, oh, let's use as many breakout rooms as we can. Let's always put people in breakout rooms and breakout rooms are great. And they are a good way to like 
allow people to get to know each other and chat and that kind of thing, right? But they're not the end all, the all, the amazing thing that people (laughs) seem to think that they are. So one thing that Ashley and I focused on a lot is we have eight LCs, right? Eight leadership chairs. And so when we have our regular meetings with them, there's like 10 of us in the Zoom call and that's a lot of people, right? And then we would often use breakout rooms to like work on something or et cetera. We did like our team reveals uh, through breakout rooms and that kind of thing. But we're very strategic about them. Like we didn't Oftentimes we wouldn't do random breakout rooms, particularly not at first. And we encouraged our LCs to do the same with their teams, like place people strategically who you think will get along well, because it's really intimidating when you show up to a breakout room and you just have like three strangers you're meant to talk with and you don't relate on anything at all at the start. Because you have to remember like in person, people will be able to sit next to the person they choose to sit next to. They'll be able to gravitate towards someone that they found interesting or that they might have an interesting conversation with, right? Breakout rooms, often it's just like, we've put random people together. Good luck. (laughs) So I think that's really key. We also did a like social event and we use breakout rooms a lot there too. Some of them were random, but we always gave them a prompt that was sort of a good way, an easy, safe way for them to start to get to know each other, Mm. not jumping in with deep prompts, like tell us about your biggest fear. No, that was like for breakout rooms that people already knew each other and they feel comfortable. We started with silly things. I think we were having a debate about whether it's a hot dog, a taco or a sandwich, um, those kinds of things, just to get the like conversation going. But no one has to feel very vulnerable because it's not a very serious argument or a conversation. (laughs) I just wanted to mention that about breakout rooms and how we use those. I love it. What else from a relationship building standpoint? And did it work? Ashley, what do you think? Did it work? In Allison and I's opinion, we thought that the year went really well and we were able to forge some really strong connections with our coaches. And I know we've gotten kind of the same feedback from our first year teams. I think it's really important relationally to almost remember that you can't approach social interaction with even like the same mindset as you would in person sometimes. I know like myself and a lot of my peers have experienced this this year where I think there's just so much more social anxiety and so much more self-consciousness this year, especially with like COVID and not interacting with people as often and also just like online. It's so easy to feel attached and self-conscious. And so I think you just always need to go that extra step when you're trying to help a team bond and help a team build relationships in the sense that like maybe in person, you could just like, like Allison was saying, like you could just toss, like say like, okay, you two go off and talk. And because they're next to each other, it's so much easier, but um, you just have to, I guess, like give them that extra prompt, give them that extra segue into a conversation that they might be able to relate to, turn up the energy and just be that extra 20% more cheerful and more energetic than you might need to be in person. Because I think we need to overcome some of those limitations in Zoom. So you do need to kind of overcompensate a little bit to promote that feeling of closeness and and to help people feel more comfortable with each other. I mean, there's missed opportunities in this new domain which might even be just, I'm going to go grab a cup of coffee and do you want to come with? Or we're yeah. walking into the building together and we're just having two minutes of chit chat while we get to the meeting or we finish up and we're walking back in the same direction. All of those are you know, not possibilities necessarily in this domain, but it is an interesting puzzle. Can we still 
build that sense of team. Will Western's team on Saturday, when we have the competition, at the end, will they feel like they worked as a team? Will they feel like they got to know one another? And I can't wait to see the results. Meg, what do you think? Do you think? It makes me think of March Madness, Scott. Uh, this is the CLC. We'll shift it into March, <laughs> and then we'll see if your bracket wins. I have to say my competitive spirit, which isn't overwhelmingly strong, I really want Western to win this thing <laughs> so badly <laughs> because I've just seen how much work has been happening in the last two years to really refine. We've got eight months. How do we prepare students to be in the pressure cooker situation and to deliver and to remember these concepts we've taught and get to apply it? Yeah. So we'll see if they can bring that energy and that determination and the skills that they've put into action and can they actually translate it into a win in real time but isn't that one of the strengths of it right is that you learn a framework for leadership rather than sitting and and having this information and integrating it in i mean if you do leadership development theories which sadly i did do for my masters there are so many even the terms is it transformative leadership transformational leadership two totally different things so when you study leadership development theory it's so diverse, but what better way to learn basic models of how you're going to come at problems or how you're going to tackle scenarios or how you're going to structure your team's effort to achieving something and get to measure it through a rubric and through the actual skill itself. So I'm really hoping Western brings it home, but regardless of how they do, I will say this, I will be proud of them. Uh, I want them to know that, that I am a big, big fan of all of the work that the team has done, but uh, yeah, I am hoping for a win. Well, it's interesting because I think I came across an article or actually it was a book in my PhD program. It was called Learning in Adulthood. And it was by two women, Miriam and Baumgartner. Um, or I'm sorry, Miriam and Caffarella. They uh, added Baumgartner a little bit later as an author. But in this book, there's this beautiful visual. And this is how much of a geek I am, because I'm about to tell you about a beautiful visual of of different learning theories. But basically, they highlighted five basic orientations to learning. So you have cognitivism, which is learning the stuff and all of the mental processing that we do. There was behaviorism, which is the skill building in that developmental space. Humanism, kind of that personal growth domain, my identity, my values, that whole humanistic perspective. And then there was the social cognitive, which is learning from peers or from mentors, and constructivist, which is experiential, learning from experience. So if we want to create a world-class pilot, we probably need an individual with the knowledge, the skills, the mentors, the experience, and hopefully they know themselves. <laughs> Same thing with a surgeon. And we need to do all of those types of learning to facilitate the growth. And as we designed CLC, we really had those five domains in mind. We want people to know some of the content, not a whole bunch of things, but at least 60 or 70 things about leadership. So there's some informed behavior going on. We want to develop skill. Can we engage in this problem-solving model, have this difficult conversation? Can we choose a leadership style? We wanted people to learn about themselves and get to know what it is they value and how they personally experience challenge and frustration and struggle. And then the coach 
all of you are serving as mentors and guides in that process. And then that experience, right? So if we can combine all five of those or a domain or dimension of all five of those, because we can't go too deep in any one of those, but maybe we provide a little bit of a different type of leadership development experience. And that's the goal, right? That's, that's, and so Meg, I love your passion for the win, but also, yeah, how do we do this a little bit differently and how do we explore in a more, I would argue, well-rounded way. It's not just one of those domains or orientations of learning. It's multiple orientations of learning. And for us, just because we're tackling first-year students, I think that's so great, right? So much attention is paid. And I don't know what it's like at your institution, but I will say at Western, oftentimes student leadership doesn't happen until second, third, or fourth year. And so I think what's so great is we target first-year students because we say, Let's get you involved. Let's get working on your leadership competencies early on because we know you already have so many skills you're bringing with you. We don't need to wait until your third or fourth year. We can do it now. Allison. Yeah, I just wanted to say that I had the sort of special privilege of being able to interview a lot of the first year students that uh, went through the program because I'm returning to this position again next year. So I was interviewing future leadership chairs. And it's really amazing how all of them, every single one that interviewed, they didn't seem very fixated on the angle. Like as much as we want Western to go on and win, and like that's a really amazing goal and something that we're definitely rooting for. It was really cool to see that the program had a much deeper impact. Yep. Even the teams that were maybe a little bit lower scoring and knew they didn't have a chance to like actually make it or be the team to represent Western. They were still so passionate about it. They talked about their mentors really positively, mentors that they've never met in person. I yes. like that's so I think it's really cool how that was possible. But then also they had so much passion about wanting to carry it forward and be able to do the mentor first years next year so they could have the same experience. So the CLC curriculum, in a way, last year we also applied it and used it, but it was our first year doing that um, in LAMP. And we sort of, I would say, missed the boat a little bit um, in the sense that we were very much focused on the competition and the teams that didn't get to represent Western felt very unsatisfied and very um, disappointed when they learned that. This year, it's like a complete like 180. Uh, It's completely different. It was really interesting how we were able to do that, even in the online landscape. Well, the competition is really just an excuse to get people together and have them practice. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anyone that. But you know, it's it's I, I I love the competition as well. I think it's fun and it's interesting. But how do we create a practice field where again we can engage in some concepts, but then explore those concepts in kind of a semi-stressful real situation? Of course, it's not real, real. It's somewhat manufactured still, but we're getting out of our head a little bit. It's not a case study. It's not a discussion. It's an activity. And there's others engaged in this activity and, and stress is a little bit heightened and we need to put these concepts into action. There are flotation devices and can we use them? And so it's a different, it's a different approach. It's a different experience, but I'm so happy to hear that, Allison, that you had those individuals who are passionate about giving back and staying engaged and staying involved and creating that experience for others. I know we are a little bit short on time. I would love to close out our time today with just a quick, what have you been reading that has caught your eye or streaming or listening to or watching that's caught your eye in the last few months? Meg. It's a tough question. Yeah, go to me. All right. I'll tell you what I've been listening to. 
Well, you know, I talked about this with you a little bit, I think, that I've been listening to my own podcast a little bit because I also edit it. Yes. Um, so I appreciate whoever's going to edit this. I don't know if it's you, Scott, Me. or someone else. Is you? Okay, <laughs> Scott, I appreciate your editing ability because I know what it's like to listen to it and have to snip uh, sound bites out. But um, I started, I, I turned 40 in 2020. What a year to turn 40 in. Yes. <laughs> in lockdown. I turned 40. And so a girlfriend and I decided to make a list of 40 things we wanted to do in our 40th year to make turning 40 exciting. And then the more we did this and we talked to other people, the more they were like, that's great. I should do that. And so we decided during lockdown to start a podcast uh, where, because we like to talk and really, if you like to talk, it's great. You've got a computer, you've got a podcast. So (laughs) way you go. And you meet cool people like all of you, right? Isn't that so much fun? Yes. And having, for me too, we've been involving, I don't know if you've ever done it with a family member, but having, interviewing your family member about something you're doing that's you're passionate about is lovely because you learn all these parts of them that you didn't realize existed. But I've been doing that in terms of what I've been listening to or watching. I just start, I'm in a book club. I don't know. Shout out to anybody who's doing book clubs because they're lovely ways of of, uh, reading different things, but we've started untamed by Glennon Doyle. I'm all about female empowerment lately, all about this idea as an aging person and as a woman and as a mother, where does my leadership intersect? I'm really interested in this topic. So nice. I'm reading Untamed and learning about what role women have to play. It's an interesting take on leadership development, um, kind of in a less formal way, but that one's really been resonating with me lately. And I've been sort of thinking about that lens a lot. Awesome. And I will put a link to your podcast in the show notes. Thank you. So That'd that people can find that. That's a wonderful idea. And the family members, I love it. I should interview my children and see what they think. You about should. Leadership. I'll ask them who's the better leader, mom or dad. Don't ask that question and record <laughs> it. Nope, that's that's not fair. I already know the answer to that one. <laughs> that's mom. That's mom. Allison, what have you been looking into? Yeah, mine is going to sound way less academic um, and professional, but I do watch a lot of YouTube. And one of the YouTubers I like to watch is called Simply Nail Logical. She does like crazy videos and like all kinds of things. Um, She used to be more focused on nail art itself, but she started a podcast uh, sometime last year, if I'm not mistaken. And it's really interesting. So just she talks about things that she wouldn't normally talk about on the channel. And it gives you like an inside look at like how YouTubers can be real people. Um, in her case, she's a Canadian YouTuber. She also works as a crime statistician, whatever. Statistician. <laughs> so, yeah, for the government, the Canadian government. And she holds her day job at the same time as she runs her um, YouTube channel. So she'll talk about things like sponsorships. How much money do you actually make on YouTube compared to like a day job and all kinds of topics that are heavier, some are lighter, but some are heavier. And I just think it's really interesting to see sort of YouTubers and influencers come out and talk on a different lens about this clout that they have and this basically influence that they have over other people. So I highly recommend the podcast is called Simply Pod Logical. And, and isn't that such a fascinating space, the whole influencer domain, right? My son was watching, I think the first time it came on my radar, there was a a young man opening Pokemon cards. And that was the the YouTube video. And I was like, wow, this is a thing. But it's grown. It's flourished. It's interesting. It's a very, very fascinating space. So I will put that in the show notes as well. Thank you, Allison. And Ashley, 
Um, I think for me, I've been reading this book called The Righteous Mind um, by Jonathan Haidt. I don't know if anyone's heard of it. It's I think it's becoming a lot more popular, um, but it's basically a book written by um, a social psychologist talking about the the psychology and the sociology behind um, why we're divided by mm. politics in religion and all of these um, different attitudes that we have. And he goes into like the evolutionary psychology behind why we, you know, we form group attitudes and why there is discrimination and all of these things, but also takes a very realistic approach um, to talk about how to overcome these divides. And um, I'm two thirds of the way through, but so far, it's been really fascinating, and I think it's just so relevant to the current climate that we are working in, where we we have to increasingly work with a very diverse range of people, whether it's backgrounds or beliefs um, or attitudes. And he he lays out some really um, really interesting and scientifically backed. Um, approaches to how to overcome this and how to form connection and, and work together with people who might share different values. And I think it's just so, um, so valuable right now. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And there's so many different lenses that we can look at the concept of leadership through or just how we exist as human beings. It reminds me what you just said, Ashley, there was a, a book a few years ago that was popular called Sapiens. I don't know if you've ever heard of that book, but that was a fascinating read. And just why we are the way we are, what we've carried, you know, biologically or environmentally or culturally, what we've carried forward and what of that is beneficial for us and what of that maybe isn't beneficial for us any longer and how we continue to evolve, right? Well, maybe we, maybe we close down there. Okay, I will see the three of you in a couple days online. I am appreciative for the relationship we've built this year. Uh, that is definitely one benefit of this whole experience is that uh, whether I am in Cleveland, Ohio, or Ontario, it doesn't matter. We can still build a relationship. And so thanks to the three of you for your time today. Uh, Allison and Ashley, Wow. How awesome. You're juniors in your collegiate experience and just doing incredible work and helping this machine move forward on campus. I think that's just awesome. Meg, you're creating a space for that to exist. And that's that's a great work. That's awesome. Thanks to the three of you. Be well. Thank you, Scott. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. For those of you who have been with us for the last few days on this CLC, Collegiate Leadership Competition Series, uh, thank you so much, and I hope you have enjoyed the conversations. Uh, this one was really, really special. I think it is so wonderful. I reflect back to when, when I was a junior in college, I was not focused in the way that Ashley and Allison are. And how wonderful that Meg and others at Western are creating a space for students to have those types of experiences. I just think it's incredible. It's just wonderful. So good job to the team at Western for all they have going on, the space they're creating, and their exploration of this topic of leadership. For me, the practical wisdom here, are you creating space for others to learn, develop, and grow? Space for connections to be made. And space 
for us to explore this really, really cool topic of leadership. Take care, everybody. Be well. We will try and get the winning team so that you can get a little bit of a bookend experience because we aren't going to release an episode on Friday. So we'll keep you in suspense and we'll learn more from that team in the future. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the Practical Wisdom for Leaders podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share it with others and let them know what we're up to. And one last quick reminder to click subscribe so you know when we publish new episodes. And of course, we'd love to hear your feedback. You can stay in touch with me by visiting www.scottjallen.net or any number of social media platforms. Be well, be safe, and make a difference wherever you are on this beautiful planet. And now, here's Kate's twin sister, Emily, with the outro. You've been listening to Phronesis, Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen.